Ladies and gentlemen, I've held back a lot. As much as I go off, I've held back a lot over the years. Not anymore. I'm not holding back. I'm sick and tired of that nonsense. I'm about to undress a few folks. Not by name. But I'm about to undress a few folks with that mode of thinking. Here I come. Buckle up. And I want to warn y'all. These words are not the words of ESPN. They're mine. What's up, guys? Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is Thursday, March 21st. As always, we're presented by D's Home Cuts. I'm your host, Travis Karcheski. Right now, it's about 6 a.m. on Thursday. Like I said, March 21st. No NCAA tournaments. Games have started yet. It's peaceful. It's the calm before the storm. Your bracket is perfect. No problems. You feel confident rolling in today's game. Today's games. And we have ahead of us a full slate, a full Thursday, and a full Friday of straight NCAA tournament games. Like I said, right now it's 6 a.m. It's pretty much the calm before the storm. In about a couple hours here, games are going to be starting soon. And next thing you know, we hit that sweet spot from about 2 p.m. to about 4 p.m. Where it's just game after game after game after game, you know, Games are finishing, games are starting, and it's just, that's what March Madness is all about, and that's why we love it, and like I said, it's the calm before the storm right now, couple hours, and our brackets are going to be shredded, but we're going to watch, we're going to tune in anyway, we're going to roll into this, you know, this, uh, this tournament with our brackets, we're confident in them, and it's just going to be a great time, and I love March Madness. It's one of the most fun times of the year, and I cannot wait. So what I thought I'd do today, uh, we got a pretty big show planned for you today. we got a bunch of stuff to talk about, some NFL, some baseball, some basketball, everything that we always do. We're going to break it down for you, uh, get you caught up on everything that is happening in the world of sports today. We'll start with uh, March Madness. We'll start with the basketball because that's where we all want, want to start right now. I'm going to give you one game. On Thursday, one game on Friday that I think you should pay attention for. Um, we're going to be watching every single game, but it's also, you know, basically what I like to do is turn keep focus on one game at a time. Like I'll focus, I'll turn on one game, and then they'll have the scores at the top. And if I see the score of one of the games at the top that I'm not watching, you know, start to get good. You know, maybe it's under, you know, five minutes in the second half, and you know, my upset pick is winning or the team I picked is losing. I'll turn I'll turn that on, but mostly I'll, I try to focus on one game at a time. It's very difficult with March Madness, but you know that's why we love it. So I'm going to give you one game for Thursday, one game for Friday that I'm excited for. If you aren't listening to this in the morning and you're listening to this, you know, once the games have already started, I'm pretty sure it's going to be full chaos mode. So it's going to be kind of hard to listen to a podcast, but go ahead put us on while you're watching the game. You know we love that, but if you're not listening to us then and you're listening to us, you know, before this, you know, it's a little bit easier. But Thursday's game, today's game that I'm the most excited for, I think a lot of people are excited for, is Murray State versus Marquette. A five versus twelve seed. This is one of the games that people circled with a big red, you know, pen the first uh time we saw this on Selection Sunday. Just because of Marcus Howard versus Jay Morant. Two of the best scorers in the country, two of the most electric players in the country. As we all know, Jay Morant is probably going to be a top three pick, 
depending on who gets the number two pick is where he goes. Like, if the Cavs get the number two pick, they wouldn't pick Jay Morant because he's a point guard, and they just pick Sexton. But he will be a top three pick, almost guaranteed. Marcus Howard's, you know, he's not as lucky. He's got some size issues, so he probably won't be drafted in the first round, at best, second round, uh, later into the second round. But he is built for this college game and he is one of the best pure scorers in the country and he is so much fun to watch he's like sixth in the league in the in the league in the uh country in scoring a big east scoring champion he is electric and jay morant now finally we get to see him on a big stage uh he's been kind of hidden in, at murray state the last couple of uh weeks just because you know mainly the last time you watched a murray regular season uh game so, that's going to be the game I'm watching for today just because of the matchup between those two guys. Again, every single matchup is exciting in its own right. You could go down the list and you could give me 14, 15 reasons while why this game's exciting, why this game's exciting. But this is the game I really want to watch for um, just because of Marcus Howard versus Jay Morant. Now, Friday, I picked a little bit of a different game that I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching a 1 versus 16 seed. I'm going to be watching Virginia versus Gardner-Webb, and that's all because I want to see how Virginia is going to play uh, versus coming off of that season last year where they lost the 16 seed uh, University of Baltimore County or whatever it was. This is sort of a redemption game for them. Again, it's a 16 seed. They are heavily favored in this game, but... It's going to be interesting if they come out in this game and they sort of have, you know, flashbacks from last year. You know, maybe they start off slow. They're either going to start off really slow and the nerves are going to get to them because they don't want to be, you know, two years in a row where a number one seed picks, um, gets upset by the 16 seed. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's very, very, very unlikely that it does. But if it does and if that if they come out flat, they come out nervous, the nerves are too much. It's it's sort of likely, I guess you could say. You got to get past that first round game, and I think you know teams sort of fall into a routine, and the better teams rise to the top in the after the first round, because in the first round most of the teams are just happy to be there. Most of the smaller teams they're just happy that they actually made it in, and they they want to make some noise early on in the tournament. But the bigger teams, their eyes are set you know, on Minneapolis. They want to make it to the Final Four. They want to make it to the championship. They don't want to just make it to the first round. So they sort of look past the smaller teams. And Virginia did that last year. So do they do it again this year? I hope not. I hope they actually show out for me. You know, I pick them to go far in my bracket almost every year, and they always disappoint me. So this is really their last straw for me in terms of if I'm going to pick them ever again. But this is going to be a fun game to watch because Virginia is either going to come out flat or they're going to come out firing and they're just going to absolutely roll up on Gardner-Webb. And I think that's certainly something you're going to want to watch for going forward. Now, again, we talked about for the games we want to watch for on Thursday, Friday. I want to talk about one player, somebody you might not know, uh, that's going to be playing in a Thursday game and somebody who's going to be playing in a Friday game. We'll start with Thursday's game. This is a, I'll admit it, straight up hometown biases. Um, that's John Teske. I'm picking John Teske from Michigan. Uh, he went to my high school. I know John, and a lot of my friends are friends with John. Uh, I've, you know, he's just, he's a really great kid, and he is 
I guess it's not that biased because he is one of the most underrated slept on people coming into this tournament. He's a 7-1 center. He can shoot threes when he's needed. He has vastly improved his game since freshman year, since coming into Michigan. He has become the leader on that court. He is that center in the middle that you need to go up there and get your rebounds. And he can shoot threes. He's starting to dabble a little bit in the threes. So John Teske is really my guy to watch for. The first game on Thursday and going forward. Uh, if he plays well, Michigan usually plays well. And if he plays bad, Michigan usually plays bad. So they have a lot of players Michigan does. But John Teske's really the guy who sort of holds them all together, I guess you could say. And then Friday, I'm going with Kyle Alexander from Tennessee. Tennessee's an interesting team because Rick Barnes built this program Basically from nothing. You know, he came from Texas. He was one of the worst coaches at Texas. A lot of people didn't think he was anything in terms of coaching. You know, he was thought of as one of the worst coaches in the country. But he's built this Tennessee program, and he's done that on the backs of Kyle Alexander. They're 6'11 forward. He even said himself that Kyle Alexander is pretty much the first building block at that Tennessee program that's helped them to sort of become where they're at when they were recruiting him he really wanted to go to rice but rick barnes heavily recruited him to go to texas when rick barnes was there and then obviously rick barnes was fired and he got hired by tennessee so kyle alexander was swayed to go to tennessee with his guy rick barnes and he has just built this program up uh, off of his back and tennessee's interesting because they have a very good team, but there's not one prospect that really stands out like some of these teams. They don't have a true you know, first-round NBA talent type of prospect. Kyle Alexander is just one of those names that makes Tennessee great as a whole. They have a pretty good, solid roster, and Kyle Alexander is pretty much one of the biggest reasons behind that uh, solid roster. You know, He has a 125 offensive rating and a 96 defensive rating. So pretty good balanced out over the board. Um, he's one of the best shot blockers in the SEC this year. And he's going to come into this tournament and be one of, easily one of the best shot blockers into this tournament. So he's going to be fun to watch. He kind of leads that Tennessee group uh, together. You know, he's been there the last four years. He's a senior. He's, I think he's a fifth-year senior, actually. So this is his last shot to really put his mark on that Tennessee program uh, for the future. So I think he's going to come out firing. So that's it for that. That's all I want to talk about with the NCAA tournament. Again, it depends on when you're listening to this, how useful this information is to you. Because if you're listening to this, you know, uh, Thursday night, you know, most of the games would have been over already. The calm, the storm would have sort of, you know, died itself out a little bit. And, you know, there's not as many games on. Because when that first wave hits you, when that first you know when that first game tips off, and then the next game tips tips off, and then the next game, and the next game, and then the first game, you know that's ending, and that's going to be a buzzer beater type of situation. And again and again and again, it really gets exciting, and it can get overwhelming for some fans, but it's just so much fun. And you know you got to get ready. Um, make sure you know what TBS is, what number channel TBS is, what TNT is, what True TV is. Make sure you know all these channel numbers. Because come, you know, 12 o'clock, you know, wherever you are, if you somehow got um, off of school, out of work, you're going to want to know what the channel numbers are so you don't waste a second of basketball watching. Unfortunately, I have class until 1.30, so I'm going to be missing some of the games, and then i got to drive home. So I probably won't get back till around 2, 2.30, and I won't get to watch 
you know, all of the games, but thankfully we have radio, we have live apps, so I can stream it during class or I can listen to it on the radio on my drive home. So thankfully we're living in a pretty good era right now in terms of technology, so we can watch and listen to every single game, which we couldn't have done in the past. So shout out to anybody who's ever helped to build, you know, that live streaming NCAA app. That is huge. But that's it for basketball, uh, NCAA basketball. We got some NBA basketball coming up later on. Let's go to football now. We had a lot of football news, a lot of sad football news that hit me just deep in the heart uh, that I wanted to talk about today. We'll start with Vontez Burfecht, though. He signed a one-year, $5 million deal with the Raiders, reunited now with former linebackers coach and defense coordinator Paul Gunther. Uh, he, Paul Gunther has been with Vontez Burfecht since the beginning. He was his linebackers coach when he was a rookie. He was the defensive coordinator with the Bengals for the last couple of years. And just last year, he got hired by the Raiders. And you know, this is Vontez Burfecht's first year without Paul Gunther on his staff coaching him up. And now he's reunited back with him. I know a lot of people are saying, you know, what about A.B.? You know, what's going to happen there with uh, Antonio Brown? You know, coming from the Steelers, the Steelers and Vontez don't have that great of a relationship. But Antonio Brown and Vontez really don't have that great of a relationship because multiple times uh, you have seen, you know, Vontez try to possibly hurt Antonio Brown. And Vontez Perfect is one of these players who has every single ounce of talent you need to be a star player in the NFL. But because of, you know, whatever it is, too much aggression, whatever, he just constantly gets himself into trouble, whether it's off or on the field. You know, he's you know headhunting guys or he's failing drug tests, all this type of stuff. He just needs to calm it all down. If he can calm it down, maybe get reunited back with his former defensive coordinator, if Mike Mayock... John Gruden can sort of keep a hold on Vontez and they can, you know, extract the best out of him. That's instant upgrade for the Raiders. And they have made strides in their game so far in their offseason and their team. Mike Mack has done a great job. But it's going to be interesting to see if Vontez puts it together or if he falls back into his old ways and he screws the team over like he usually does when he did with the Bengals. So he's got to stay on the field for me to fully buy in to this signing but you know one year five million dollar deal five million dollar deal isn't that much it's not big of a commitment it's not that much money so we'll see what happens if he proves it this is a prove it deal if he proves himself worthy of getting another contract uh this is probably one of his last opportunities to really stay in the nfl now we'll hit the sad news real quick clay matthews signed a two-year 16 million dollar deal with the rams Clay Matthews, all-time Packer great. One of my favorite players of all time with the Packers. I grew up on Clay Matthews. I grew up watching him sack and terrorize the quarterbacks of the NFC North for the last couple of years. He's fallen off in the past. Um, Three and a half sacks last year with the Packers just isn't even close to what we've seen from Clay Matthews. You know, a lot of injuries he's dealt with. His thumb has been a huge problem in the past. He's had trouble staying on the field. You know, the Packers have had a bunch of injuries on the defense that have forced Clay to move around to the inside, outside. Uh, He's just, you know, he's getting older. I'm not really sure what his age is, but he's getting to that age where 
you know, he's becoming this situational third down pass rusher. And I'm not really sure he wants to be that just yet. I think he thinks he has a lot left in the tank, a lot left to offer. And I think the Rams were one of those teams that were willing to offer him that. Because what the Rams have done, you know, the past couple of years is that they can't spend that much on defense because, you know, they're already spending a lot on offense. And they are trying to find cheap deals with players who may have a lot left in the tank. And it's worked so far with Dante Fowler. You know, it worked last year with Ndamukong and Sue, although that wasn't a cheap deal to be granted. Um, but they do, you know, they're finding some pretty good, you know, cheap talent uh, because teams just don't want to take a shot on this. But Clay Matthews, one of my all-time favorites. One of the things I remember the most from him was when he set when he it was I guess it was kind of a dirty play when he hit Colin Kaepernick out of bounds. One of my favorite plays of all time. Not because that was before Colin Kaepernick did all that stuff with the anthem, but Colin Kaepernick used to terrorize us in Green Bay. He would kill us with his feet every single game. And I think it was week one, Clay Matthews decked him out of bounds and I loved it. I hated Colin Kaepernick before the anthem thing. Um, but that was one of my favorite plays with Clay Matthews. But just, again, over and over again, all-time Packer great. He leaves Green Bay. Fans are pissed because he left. We didn't sign him. But at the end of the day, it's a changing of the guard in Green Bay. Um, and you've seen that with the next deal with Randall Cobb. He signed a one-year, $5 million deal with the Cowboys. Going to be that replacement for Cole Beasley in the slot. He's only 28 years old. He's really good when he's healthy. But the problem is he doesn't stay healthy. And... Granted, he's had Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years. We've seen a lot of times receivers, you know, go out, leave Green Bay, and uh, they just can't produce the same numbers that they produced with Aaron Rodgers because he's the best quarterback of all time. And, you know, it's a, it's a lot easier to catch balls from the best quarterback of all time versus catching balls from Dak Prescott, who is one of the worst, most overrated quarterbacks of all time. But I love Randall Cobb, again, one of my favorite Packers of all time. I'll never forget his rookie game versus the Saints coming off of that Super Bowl win. Uh, we sent, we got him as a rookie from Kentucky, and he scored two touchdowns. That return, that kickoff return versus the Saints was one of the most electric plays, and you knew he was going to be a good one. I also remember when he was a free agent a couple years ago, and we were so worried that we weren't going to be able to sign him. And then we were sitting, I believe we were sitting in Truman's room talking, and next thing you know, the news started to come across that we signed uh, Randall Cobb. So a bunch of memories. Again, Aaron Rodgers wrote this long, sappy post about Aaron Rod about Randall Cobb using a Shawshank Redemption quote. It's a sad time in Green Bay, and it sucks. And I'm going to miss both of them. You know, Randall Cobb and Clay Matthews have done so much for the organization and community the last couple of years. But like I said before, it's a changing of the guard in Green Bay. we got to get some of these older players out and bring in some new talent. Let some of the young guys flourish. You know, now with Randall Cobb gone, it opens the window. You know, that slot position's open, and there's a bunch of receivers who were there last year, a bunch of second-year guys who could take that and run with it. And, you know, in the past they couldn't because Clay Matthews, because Randall Cobb was there. And then Clay Matthews, you know, there's, it seems like we were struggling to get him onto the field last year just to keep him on the field, keep fans happy. And he just wasn't producing to what he was, you know, a couple years ago. He isn't that dominant pass rusher that he was. And I think we relied too much on Clay, Tom Clay Thompson. We relied too much on Clay Matthews the last couple of years. We always thought he was 
you know what he was in the past but we never really saw the decline as fans uh we never really bought into the fact that he was declining and we just every year year after year after year we didn't address pass rusher because we always assumed we had clay matthews but he just really wasn't the same player as he was a couple years ago so best of luck to both of them in their new destinations i wish i wish randall cobb wouldn't have signed with the cowboys but you know they had a need and Randall Cobb fills that need perfectly because Cole Beasley left. They needed a slot receiver, and now Randall Cobb perfectly fits that need uh, with Dallas. And now Dallas has a pretty good um, receiving core if Randall Cobb can stay healthy. That's the biggest problem. But that's the NFL. That's what happens. That's the way you know things work out. Uh, another thing with the NFL, Ben Roethlisberger. He's been getting a lot of heat the last couple of days based on former running back Josh Harris. Josh Harris claimed that in a game a couple years ago, I saw the clip, I don't remember what game it was from, I think they were playing the Bengals, um, running back Josh Harris for the Steelers. Uh, I'm not really sure, I don't know much about Josh Harris, I don't know you know, how well or how well he, what he played in Pittsburgh or what he did with Pittsburgh, but he claimed that in a game a couple years ago, the Steelers were up 10, uh, there was about a minute and a half left. Again, I saw the clip. Uh, obvious knee situation, right? They were going to win the game. There was a minute and a half left. The Bengals had no timeouts, uh, and it was pretty much over. They should have just kneaded out. During that time, though, Todd Haley called a run play, and I guess Big Ben was clearly disgusted in the huddle. He was pissed off that he called a run play. And instead of just running the run play correctly, Supposedly, Josh Harris claims that Big Ben fumbled on purpose. Uh, the clip, if you watch the clip, it's one of these things where it could go either way in my book. Yeah, he did fumble. He recovered it, but it could be one of those situations where if he did want to fumble and he did want to piss Todd Haley off, uh, it could have easily been done. But also, you could look at it and say, yeah, he just slipped and he mishandled the ball. It's one of those situations. But if it is true, I'm not sure how credible a source Josh Harris is. Uh, former backup Bruce Gratikowski says it's completely false and it didn't happen. Um, we've seen multiple times. Obviously, Big Ben is a dick. We all know Big Ben's a dick. Uh, he Players don't like playing for him. I think the Steelers organization uh, caters to him a lot more than what they should. Uh, and we've seen that time and time again. But if he did do this... There's no excuse for it. His leadership has been lacking the last couple of weeks. He's one of these quarterbacks that guys just don't like playing for. You know, Antonio Brown wanted to leave because of him. Le'Veon Bell said Big Ben was a big part of the reason why he decided to leave. And now with this coming out, I mean, you can look at this situation and just be shocked, but it doesn't shock me at all. Big Ben is one of these guys who feels like he's bigger than the organization, feels like he's bigger than the NFL. Uh, and one of those one of those guys who had so much talent, he still has a lot of talent. And I think he's lost out on a lot of winning the last couple of years because of his personality and the way he carries himself in the locker room. Like he is, you know, heads above everybody else. And that's what I believe that was what Le'Veon Bell said. Le'Veon Bell said, that he was treated, they did an interview with Sports Illustrated. Le'Veon Bell said that Big Ben was sort of treated, you know, in the same regards of the GM and the owners. Like he wasn't just a normal player, like he wasn't just, you know, a normal guy in the locker room. He was 
almost he was treated as if he was better than the players and he was on the same level with you know Mr. Rooney and all this stuff and I can totally see that and you know you saw last week with the kids comment that Ben's got 52 kids on the roster and I believe you know you can look at the Steelers situation and say you know yeah they didn't win with Le'Veon they didn't win with Antonio Brown because their personalities were too big and they're too selfish and they're divas and all this stuff but I truly believe the root of the problem with the Steelers is Big Ben and Big Ben Ro- and Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin. I think Big Ben is the problem there. I think he's been the problem there the last couple of years. And he thinks he's bigger than the NFL. He thinks he's bigger than the coaches. And I think that's Mike, Tom- Mike Tomlin's fault uh, on the base level because Mike Tomlin isn't a, you know, lockdown sort of coach he's a players coach he likes to be buddy buddies with the players and you know that's great and that really you know in the beginning that gets your players up for you and they love you and they they'll work hard for you but towards the end there and the you know when things get tough when situations um need it players slack off and the Steelers locker room has been sort of loose the last couple of years and you know you just see this now you don't see you know offensive linemen you know, call out their running backs. You don't see running backs and wide receivers call out their quarterbacks in the media. You just don't see this type of stuff. You know, usually NFL locker rooms are pretty buttoned up, but you see it out of Pittsburgh, and that's why I don't think, you know, they didn't win with Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown, and I don't think they'll be winning for the next couple of years until they get rid of Ben Roethlisberger, which you can't because he is one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. It's just they cater to him too much. They cater to his ass too much, and that's the problem with the Steelers. Um but I don't know where this story will go from here. You can't really punish him for this because you don't know if he did it or not. Um, it's just another strike in that Big Ben file that uh, you know makes everybody think he's a dick because he's a dick. And I don't. This nothing's gonna happen with this. I don't know if Roethlisberger will speak on it. I'm sure he'll get a question about it, but he could easily just wave it off. We'll see what happens though. Uh, it's just a crazy story to me. Another crazy story is Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen with the Cardinals. Uh, Apparently, a couple days ago, the Cardinals had dinner with Kyler Murray. Apparently, a couple teams now are interested in trading for Josh Rosen. Uh, I think I saw something where it was like the Chargers and there was another team. I can't remember, but they were interested in Josh Rosen. Apparently, a third-round pick is the asking price right now for Josh Rosen. The GM for the Cardinals, I'm not sure what his name is, I can't remember, he's a new guy, was asked the other day, what does he think about Josh Rosen and, and Kyler Murray? And he just sort of assumed, he. what his quote was, was, Josh Rosen is our guy right now. I don't like that if I'm Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen has been disrespected by the Cardinals the last couple of weeks. Um, it seems like they're just giving up on him way too fast. Is Kyler Murray that good that you're willing to take a risk on getting rid of him and like let's say Josh Rosen goes to you know the Chargers and he sits behind Philip Rivers for the next you know two to three years I don't know how much longer Philip Rivers is going to be playing in the NFL let's say he sits behind him and then he takes over the league and he takes over the Chargers franchise and he just absolutely balls out and then let's say Kyler Murray you draft him with the number overall pick and he completely fails you know he's just not as good as everybody thinks, and he's just another bust. Because that situation with the Cardinals is not a situation where first-round quarterbacks, high-touted quarterbacks, or quarterbacks of any nature can succeed. 
Um, they have one weapon on that offensive side of the ball, and that's David Johnson. You can say Larry Fitzgerald, but he's in year 16 now. He's older. He's just not the player he used to be. Um, and that offensive line, I said it before, uh, analysts said that that offensive line with the Cardinals was one of the worst offensive lines that they've ever seen watching football. It's not an easy place to succeed as a quarterback. He got his offensive coordinator fired. He got his head coach fired. Um, I'm not saying he got his head coach fired. I'm just saying that's the stuff he experienced. His offensive coordinator was Byron Leftwich, who's never called plays before in the NFL or any level of coaching ever. I just think most quarterbacks would have failed in that system. And to give up on a guy like Josh Rosen so quickly doesn't make sense to me. If I'm the Cardinals... I go and I draft Nick Bosa with the number one overall pick. You get that solid pass rusher. Now you sh- you solidify that defense with Terrell Suggs. They got Jordan Hicks now. They got Patrick Peterson. That's a decent defense. And then you go on the outside. And then you go on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they pick. They fix that offensive line a little bit in the offseason with some free agents. I think you continue to build on that through the draft. Maybe add another weapon now. And then you got something to work with. But as of right now, there's no reason why uh, Josh Rosen should be able to succeed with the Cardinals. He he is sort of that David Carr situation. You know, David Carr, high pick with the Texans, the most sacked quarterback during his tenure in the NFL was David Carr, and he was out of the league in the first couple of years because he just you can't succeed in those situations. And now they're ruining Josh Rosen's career because. They're completely beating up on this kid in the media. To go ahead and even have dinner with Kyler Murray looks bad if I'm Josh Rosen. I'm pissed off, and I want to be traded. And I think Josh Rosen's going to want to be traded. And you know where he goes, I hope I wish him you know every ounce of success that he has because you can't really rule him a bust. He had so, such bad situations last year, and even at the end of the day, you know you look at Jared Goff thought of as easily a top 15 quarterback top 10 quarterback in the NFL nowadays after his rookie year with the Rams he was uh thought of as a bust and I think Josh Rosen's sort of getting that but you trade it up to get this guy don't give up on him so quickly uh and so willingly keep Josh Rosen continue to build with him and I think you'll be all right yeah Kyler Murphy Murray's a sexy pick he'd be fun he'd reignite the fan base but you're just it doesn't make sense to give up on Josh Rosen this quickly. Go with Nick Bosa, go with what you know and uh build around Josh Rosen. That's my opinion on that. But that's also my my uh takes on the NFL. We're going to move now to basketball NBA. Uh but before that, I had to remind you guys our show is brought to you by Dee's Home Cuts. Dee's Home Cuts, we've talked about it. They've been there since the beginning. They run this show. They help us um every second of the step, every second of the um, time we've been on the air, Dee's Home Cuts has been there. Dee's Home Cuts is the best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low price. For only $7, Dee's Home Cuts will provide you with a modern haircut and styling. Dee's Home Cuts, uh, it's the best place to get a haircut. It's the cheapest place to get a haircut, and it's also the best. So go ahead and check him out on his Instagram, at Dee's Home Cuts. There you can see videos upon videos of cuts he's done. Send him a DM to set up an appointment. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. These home cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. All right, let's continue with the show. Let's start with basketball, and then we'll wrap it up with some baseball talk. But 
Thursday. What do we always do on Thursday? We check the standings. So let's go ahead and do this. We'll start with the East. Uh, also, we were at the Bucks Cavs game last night, um, and now the Bucks are still in first place, but they are only in first place by two games. The Raptors are slowly creep, creeping up on the Bucks, who have now, you know, you know, lost to the Cavs last game. Last game um, we went to last night. But uh, they have a lot of injuries right now. Malcolm Brogdon's out six to eight weeks. Miritich is out two to four. Giannis is still dealing with that ankle injury. So Bucks is getting a little tight right now for them. But they are still in the first place in the in the East. Uh, second is still Toronto. Like I said, two games back from the Milwaukee Bucks. Three, we got the 76ers. Four, the Pacers are still holding strong. Five, the Celtics. Six, the Pistons. Seven, the Nets. Eight, the Heat. Um, and then you got the Magic, about two and a half games back at the nine seed. Um, shout out to the 76ers. Six straight wins for them. Uh, they've been killing it lately, uh, continuing to bolster that team. Next, we'll go to the West. Warriors still got that one seed. Nuggets still have the two seed. Uh, although the Nuggets are half a game back from the Warrior, from the uh, yeah the Warriors, they've won four straight. Uh, the Rockets have that third seed. Portland's got the fourth. Utah's five. Spurs have the sixth seed coming off of a nine-game winning streak. They lost last night, but they are still uh, pretty hot right now. Clippers at the seventh, and then the Oklahoma City Thunder with the eighth seed. Pretty locked up because the next closest seed is the Kings, which is about seven games back. So I think the Thunder have it. But that's it for the standings there. Um, not much going on right now with basketball other than Doc Rivers. Uh, supportedly, somebody uh, reported a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago actually, that Doc Rivers was interested in joining the Lakers as their next head coach. He came out yesterday, said that uh, he's not going to go there. Um, he said he loves you know, working with the Clippers. He said he has a lot of unfinished business to do with the Clippers. Um, he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. You can't deny that. He's taken a struggling Clippers team um, with not much talent into a playoff team. You know, they've sort of reunited uh, all around each other. You know, they embrace that underdog mentality. And now he is, you know, leading them into the playoffs. He's one of the best coaches in the NBA. Now, I understand why he'd want to – I don't understand why he would want to join the Lakers because the Lakers in the past, yeah, that would have been – he would have been the first coach ever to coach the Celtics and the Lakers during his tenure, which would have been legendary. But still um, – why would he just want to, you know, switch offices in the stadium, right? I would assume they have the same sort of offices in the stadium because uh, they share it. Why would he want to go to the worst franchise? Yeah, you go with LeBron, but LeBron treats you like shit. Like, I think Doc Rivers and, like, Greg Popovich are really the only two coaches in the NBA who would not adhere to LeBron, not give LeBron everything he wants because, you know, they have the respect and dignity that they don't need LeBron to succeed. Um, I gotta watch this. Sorry about that. I had to take a quick break. I'll tell you why in a second. But they don't need LeBron to succeed as head coaches. They can succeed anywhere they go. They don't need to, you know, bend the bend the knee to LeBron James. They can do it their own way. They can coach their own way. So why would he want to join the Lakers? It makes no sense. And plus, uh, people were saying that uh, he had an option to sign. Uh, 
He had an option to be like a free agent head coach after this season, but he signed an extension with the Clippers. So he's fine now. I think he'll be there for the next couple of years. Not sure how long. He's not that old. He's only about 50 years old. Um, but he'll continue to just coach with the Clippers, I think. I don't know why he would want to go to the struggling Lakers right now. Um, but that's it for basketball. Let's do some baseball right now. Let's get some news here. Uh, Mike Trout signed a 12-year, $430 million extension with the Angels. This has been one of the most uh, contested stories of me and Truman's sports career, watching sports. Um, we've been fighting about it a lot the last couple of days, almost to the point where we've gotten into fist fights over it. Um, and it's something that we need to discuss a lot more in depth, and we're going to do that. And we're going to do it the right way. We're going to do it on Tuesday, I think. We're going to bring in Brian Leonard, our baseball expert, and we're going to bring in Truman. He's going to be there too. And we're going to really break this down for you. And we're going to try to keep it calm. But uh, basically, the side of the argument is me and Brian believe that Mike Trout shorted himself here. If you look at what he's done, you know he, he had two years left on his deal. He had about $66 million left on his deal with the, with the uh, Angels. So basically, if you put that into play, he really only signed about a 10-year, $360 million contract, which is not that much more than Machado and Harper. And he is better than Machado and Harper combined. Uh, in terms of even stats. He's the best baseball player of all time. And we feel like he's shorting himself there. Now, Truman thinks it's all about loyalty and he should stay there. And it's not its not a dumb decision. He can do what he wants to do, which is true. He can do what he wants to do. And I love Mike Trout and I love him so much. And he's one of my favorite baseball players. But I think he shorted himself there. And I don't know. I just we, I didn't like how he did that. Me and Brian both didn't like how he did that. Um, because now he's going to go to the Angels where it's very unlikely that he wins within the next couple of years. He's not going to make it to the playoffs. And it's just like, why Why are you – you're one of the best players in baseball and we don't get to see you play because you're playing on the West Coast. You don't get that much coverage. He is the 11th highest jersey sales in Major League Baseball today. And he is the best baseball player of all time. Like, that's ridiculous. That shouldn't happen. He needs more exposure. And I know Mike Trout is as a guy. I know he doesn't like that. Um, if he wanted more exposure, he could easily get it with commercials and stuff like that. But I just I think the Angels do a crappy job of uh, using his talents as a player. You know, they don't market him well enough. They don't, you know, show him off well enough. They don't build around him well enough. And it's just, I don't know. I think they treat him you know, poorly, and why would you go to a place that continuously, continuously treats you poorly as a player? Um, why would you sign for the next couple of years? But again, Mike Trout's kind of a quiet guy. He's not a flashy guy. He's not somebody who cares that much about this type of stuff, but it's just a thought that me and Brian had. So we're going to talk about this on Tuesday's show. We'll try to keep it calm, as calm as we can. Uh, we can't talk that long because we do possibly have an interview coming up for you on Tuesday. But we are going to talk about it. We're going to hope, hopefully keep it calm, break it all down for you. Um, but, again, this is one of the most contested fights, sports debates that me and Truman have had the last couple of years. We didn't get into a literal fist fight, but it was close. Um, and so I hope you guys enjoy that on, a, on Tuesday. It's going to be a fun show. But... Other news in the MLB, Alex Bregman signed a six-year, $100 million extension. 
Alex Bregman is the next breakout star of Major League Baseball. He's going to win an MVP within the next couple of years. Within this contract extension, he wins an MVP uh, with the Astros. One of the best young players in the MLB today. And again, that's different too. Could he have went out there and signed a bigger contract with somebody? Yeah, but the Astros you know, are a winning franchise, and he's going to be a part of that young core for the next couple of years, and they're going to continue to win behind him, Correa, Altuve, um, and that great pitching staff that they have there. So this is that's different. Um, but again, Tuesday will fully break down for you, will fully give you everything you want to know about that and that argument and that debate. And it's an interesting debate still. I think Truman can agree. Um, it's a hard debate to go against, but uh, we both have our viewpoints about it, so we'll pro- hopefully we can uh, break it down for you calmly on Tuesday's show. So tune in for that. Now, the reason why I took a break earlier um, is because I'm right now, like I said, it's 6 a.m., and we're watching uh, the baseball game, A's versus Mariners. It's going on in Japan right now. First game yesterday was first game of the season. Uh, it starts at 5.30 a.m. Eastern time, so I know why a lot of people don't watch it. Um, but I'm just up at this time anyway, so I, you know, turn it on. But, you know, Jay Bruce had the first hit of the MLB season, and then Stephen Piscotty had the first home run, just so you know. But I turned it off. I paused the show a couple of minutes ago because Ichiro Suzuki came to the plate. Again, if you haven't seen it, it's electric watching him play in Japan. If you're wondering how the hell he's still playing, basically what they did, the Mariners, because they're a pretty classy organization, they signed him for another year just so he can play in these two games in Japan in his hometown. Every time he comes to the plate, he gets a huge standing ovation. I've seen multiple Japanese players say that Ichiro Suzuki is, you know, the biggest celebrity in Japan. And, you know, fans just love him over there. And you can see it here uh, in these games. But the reason I paused it was because this is the second game. This is the last game I think they're playing in Japan. And supposedly after this game, Ichiro is going to retire. Um, We've seen that before. He should have retired two, three years ago. But he just loves baseball so much. But... He's going to retire supposedly after this, and I wanted to watch what might be his last at-bat. It's only the fourth inning right now, so maybe not his last at-bat, they think. But uh, still, going to be fun to watch. Um, one of the game's best players, and uh, hopefully uh, he gets a hit. I think that's what we're all waiting for here for his last at-bat. But we'll see what happens. Um, but other than that, that's our show today. It's the calm before the storm. Games start in a couple hours. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. So make sure you tune into that. But other than that, that's like I said, that's our show today. Um, we want to thank you to our sponsor, D's Home Cuts. Go ahead and check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Give us a five-star um, rating, write a review, subscribe, wherever you listen to us. Uh, follow us also on Twitter, at TNT Sports Talk 12. Send questions, comments, concerns. Find out who our guest is going to be. If you want to be a guest on the show, send us a DM. All this stuff, go through Twitter. Um, That's the place to be. But other than that, that's our show. Tune in on Tuesday. We'll give you a full breakdown of everything that's happened over the weekend with the NCAA tournament. And we got possibly an interview on Tuesday. And Brian Leonard and Sherman back in the studio to help us break down all this stuff that is Mike Trout and his fat extension. So that's our show today. Um, Thank you for listening, and tune in on Tuesday. Thanks, guys.